and welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and today we are so happy to have Dr. Harvey Karp joining us as our guest. Dr. Karp is one of America's most trusted pediatricians and child development experts. He practiced pediatrics in Los Angeles for over 25 years, is on the faculty of the USC School of Medicine, and a fellow of the American Academy of Pediatrics. His highly innovative and celebrated happiest baby books and videos have made him one of the world's most renowned baby and sleep experts. Today, we will be chatting with Dr. Karp about the relationship between postpartum mood disorders, specifically postpartum depression, and sleep. We know that sleep is vital to our mental and physical health, but we're going to take a deeper look and discuss it all today. We are very interested to learn more on this topic, so let's welcome Dr. Karp to learn more. Hello, Dr. Karp. Thank you so much for joining us today and being our guest on our podcast. We have loved your work for years and would like to learn more first about you and your experience. Would you be open to telling us a little bit about you and your background and how you became so passionate about helping families raise happy and healthy children? Well, it's so great meeting you, Nina. Yeah, you know, I was for years and years, just the neighborhood pediatrician out here in uh, Santa Monica, where, where I've lived for quite a while. And I started to realize that people, number one, people were struggling, obviously, you know, um, so many people in California don't have their extended family around. They've moved from somewhere else and, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they think they're ready to have a baby <laughs> because they're smart and educated and how hard could it be? And then, you know, crash and burn sometimes when babies come just because it's so time consuming and, mm-hmm. and you just don't realize that whole groundhog day effect that do it again and then do it again and do it again day after day with very little sleep. And, and so what I started to learn about is ways to calm babies that were really ancient, but weren't quite recognized by doctors. You know, it's kind of a weird thing. I tell people that there are three main competencies or skills that you need to have when you have a little baby. The first is feeding the baby. The second is calming the crying. And the third is getting sleep. Kind of if you can do those three things, bathing, umbilical care, changing a diaper, th- those things are work themselves out. But if you fail at feeding, calming, crying, or getting sleep, you're going to feel terrible. And what was so interesting is there's tons of information about feeding babies, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, etc. Almost nothing about calming babies and getting more sleep. And in fact, we pediatricians would prepare parents to fail. We would say, uh, listen, it's going to be really hard. You're not going to get a lot of sleep. It may take four, five, six months before they get into a routine. Some babies scream for hours, you know, put them inside their room, close the door. They're, we call it colic. It's a mystery. Well, it kind of like we can put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out why little babies cry. It right. Just, you know what I mean? It just yeah. didn't make sense. And so I started exploring that and studying that. And that really led 20 years ago to this book called The Happiest Baby on the Block. I should say book and video because I don't even actually recommend the book, to be honest with you. I mean, it is a very good book and it's interesting and it's got anthropology and all sorts of stuff in it. But to learn the skills for baby calming, it's like learning how to tie your shoelaces. It's really watching it is the way to learn it. And that's why we created a little video that shows you what to do and what not to do. It's just 30 minutes, but it really kind of gives you the background that you need to be the world's, you know, really the world's best baby calmer. Uh, you can give me that baby and you can <laughs> pick them up and swaddle them and bounce them around. And, and, and 80% of the time you'll calm them down and 
20% of the time you won't because they're hungry or they need something else from you. So that came out 20 years ago, exactly 20 years ago. And so then we trained educators, we trained thousands of educators to teach this to parents and doctors around the world. But 10 years ago, I got, I was giving a lecture to pediatricians about infant sleep death or SIDS. You're probably well aware of this, but about 3,500 babies die every year in the United States. So that's like 10 a day, 10 a day all across the U.S. Their parents wake up and the baby might be in bed with them, but the baby's not moving. Or the baby rolled to a to a to the stomach or some rolled into a, a, a toy or a pillow and the baby's not breathing. And 10 times a day in our country, and it's not just poor people, it's poor people, rich people. I mean, unfortunately, there are things you can do to, to reduce the risk by keeping them on the back and keeping pillows out of their beds and and not doing bed sharing for the first six or nine months. But even when you do all those things, and we've been recommending that for decades, we've had no change over the last 20 years in reducing those deaths. So my wife and I said, we, we have to do something about this. So that's why we created this special baby bed called SNU, which is kind of, some people think, oh, that's that shishi expensive baby bed. It's actually not a baby bed. It's your older sister. It's a 24-hour babysitter for the cost of a Starbucks. I mean, today, actually, there was just a, I know I'm rambling on and on. Is that okay? That no, this is this perfect. Okay, we love great. hearing and learning all of this. Yeah. Super. There was just a study about babysitting. And across the U.S., on average, it costs about 20 bucks to hire a babysitter for one hour. Mm-hmm. So you could bring in a 19-year-old and say, can you hold my baby while I'm cooking dinner? Get an hour of help. And that'd be about 20 bucks. Snoo, we rent a snoo, which gives you 24 hours of support. When you're taking a shower, when you're cooking dinner, when you're on a Zoom call, when you're playing with your three-year-old, when you are trying to get some sleep, snoo rocks and shushes babies, but it responds to the baby. When the baby is upset, it'll rock and shush the baby a little bit more and go up four different levels of kind of jiggly motion, imitating what really what an experienced caregiver would do. And half the time it calms the baby within 60 seconds and half the time it doesn't because the baby needs something else. They're hungry or whatever. And so you can get a 24 hour caregiver and you can rent this anywhere in the U.S. for $5 a day. It's, it's literally the equivalent of hiring a babysitter for 20 minutes. I mean, it's kind of like the best value, and it's won more awards than any baby product in history, and it's in the Smithsonian Institution, and their permanent collection is this incredible invention. And what's very exciting, what our goal is, currently thousands of parents get a free snoo, free from their employers for six months. Big banks like JP Morgan and Snapchat and Under Armour, and we invite all employers to reach out to us so we can arranged for them to give it as a benefit because actually the employers like it because it saves them money because people stay retained in the job and they're less likely to be absent from work or make silly mistakes or get sick. And so it ends up reducing employer costs as well. And ultimately what our goal is that everyone gets a free snoo and it's paid for by your insurance company or by the government or by your employer. And that's what we're we're working so hard to, to achieve. Oh, gosh, Dr. Karp, that was so wonderful for you to share all this information about how you started where I mean, I remember 
we were chatting briefly uh, before we hit record. And he was like, are you familiar with the five S's and, and these sort of things? And I was like, oh my goodness, yes. When I, I remember when I first started working um, at a mom and baby boutique like 12 years ago, and this mom was telling me, oh, I've heard about this happiest baby on the block. And mm. I was like, I need to learn about this. Well, you know, now I've supported you know, over 700 families and I have your video and your book, behind me on my bookshelves. And I have lent that out so many times um, to tired parents or expecting parents just to be prepared before exactly. their baby comes. And it really is kind of just like that that like extra tool in your tool belt to be able to calm your baby, as you said, when they're, you know, obviously you've fed them, you've changed them, their their needs are met, but you need them to just, you know, know that it's okay, we're here, it, it, we need to be calm, that sort of thing. So anyway, it's so cool to hear the evolution of, you know, where you started to now where you've been um, with your latest product and how much success you've had as, uh, you know, as someone who has been in the baby business for a little while, not compared to you, Dr. Carter. Not ancient it's so like cool. Me. No, stop. Not even. <laughs> not even. It's just so cool. So thank you for sharing all of that. I, you know, can many I, can of I say, us- Sorry, Lena, can I yes, say one no, more thing please, about this? Please, please. Super. So because people get confused about this because the, the happiest baby talks about the five S's and the calming reflex. So yes. calming re- and the fourth trimester. So fourth trimester is the overarching theme, which is that when you give birth, you're ready. I mean, you're ready at eight months, right? Or seven months, you know, it's like, okay, I'm done with this pregnancy stuff for most women, but the baby's not ready. The baby is a fetus Mm -hmm. when you deliver them, even if they're full term. And by four months, they're very different. They're smiling and cooing and they're kind of little people. But in the beginning, you are one big walking uterus. That's your job. Hold them, rock them, shush them. And even if you do that 12 hours a day, which is an enormous effort on your part, from the baby's perspective, it's like a ripoff, right? I mean, 12 hours a day used to hold me 24 hours a day. And that's why it's it's so challenging and they have to be fed over and over again, which is, you know, all normal. But what's interesting about the happiest baby is if you understand the fourth trimester, you understand why you're imitating the womb experience to get your babies happy. Mm-hmm. And that's a concept called the calming reflex, which is really new science. Calming reflex says that if you do five things to imitate the womb experience, you can flip a switch. And oftentimes, not always, but 90% of the time, you can take a crying baby and calm them down by doing five things to imitate the womb, which are swaddling, the side or stomach position, shushing, swinging, and sucking. But you know how when you have a knee reflex, you got to hit the knee just in the right place hard enough. If you whack the knee and you're off by three inches, you're just going to get a sore knee. It's not going to jump out. If you do the swaddling or the shushing or the swinging and you're not doing it correctly, Mm -hmm. it's not going to do anything. It might even make them cry more. So not, this is not mysterious. It's, it's easy to do, but that's why I said it's like tying your shoelaces. It's a technique. And that's why we made the video to really teach that. And what I love is guys, men are terrible at breastfeeding. But we are super, super good at baby calming. And I love the fact that, I mean, down in, you're in Texas, down in, in Dallas, for example, in the WIC programs, which is women and infants and children's programs to help people who are, you know, really of modest means be able to get the formula they need and the training. They have men's programs teaching men how to do the five S's to support their 
partners being able to breastfeed and, and, and take care of the baby. So I love the fact that guys on the assembly line, hey, dude, you know how to do this thing? I mean, guys on assembly Ashton Kutcher came up to me and he said, I got to tell you, I love it when people don't know the five S's because I see a crying baby and I say, dude, give me the baby. And I'm like a magician and everyone applauds because I'm so good. And I see people do it on planes and it's really so cool that men really own this. Yeah. I mean, Uh, women can do it great too, of course. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. But you're right. Men are then like, oh man, there's something that I can do to help. There's something that I can do to help with my baby and my partner. And men are also really good at swaddling. They're like pros. Yeah. It's like an engineering job. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, But I wanted to say, you know, many of us, you know, fondly know you as, you know, this baby sleep expert who has helped us calm our babies and get through that night you know, soundly uh, using the five S's, how important is sleep for both babies and parents? Oh, no one needs sleep. No, no one. No one needs, <laughs> that's not necessary. Stay up all night long. Yeah. Remember when you wanted to stay up all night long? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, you know, what we're learning over the last decade or so is sleep is really kind of vitamin S. It's essential and we don't get enough of it. We've learned, like 20 years ago, we learned that everyone was deficient in vitamin D. Mm. I mean, you think you get enough, oh, the sunlight gives you vitamin D, but most people are on the ragged edge of vitamin D and they should get their vitamin D level checked. And we give people vitamin D supplements. Of course, we give that to young babies. They don't have enough uh, vitamin D. It's very important, not just for strong bones. It turns out it's a very important vitamin for brain development and hormonal regulation and things we don't even know about yet. It's extremely important for the body. Sleep is the same way. It's not like you just get tired if you don't have enough sleep. It changes the whole balance in your body. You become irritable. It leads to depression and anxiety and and poor thought processes, obviously car accidents, impulsive actions. You eat impulsively. You don't exercise. It changes the way your body uses food. Even if you eat intelligently, if you're sleep deprived, you're going to gain weight and you're going to be tending towards diabetes and the improper use of carbohydrates in your body. We learned that it has it's, it creates more inflammation in your body. So your tendency to inflammation, whether it's arthritis or heart disease or headaches or ill health in so many ways, is tied to sleep. Ariana Huffington likes to tell a story that she was out with this major CEO at dinner and he was bragging to her that, you know, the night before he, he kind of got by with just four hours sleep. And she was thinking to herself, well, had you gotten seven hours sleep, this would have been a much more interesting conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Booyah. (laughs) Boom. So anyway, sleep is really important. And, and studies have shown over the last decade or so, everyone's getting an hour, hour and a half less sleep. And that's not going to end well for, for everybody. Yeah. And I'm curious, what role does sleep play in both maternal and pediatric health? Like you're saying all these things, especially in pediatric too. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, sleep, we know that sleep is very important for consolidation of memory. We, We learn while we're sleeping. The brain replays what happened during the day, organizes it and files it away. So if learning is important in a child's life, then sleep is important as a way of supporting them 
in that learning. And then, of course, from a bodily health point of view, it's very important. As I was saying, hormonal balance, the uh, inflammation in the body. We were just learning with COVID that children, young children, have this very strange inflammatory response to COVID where they get hospitalized because of that. And so inflammation is too much inflammation is related to illness and headaches and digestive issues and maybe even autism. We know in adults, it's also related to Alzheimer's disease and other problems like that. So it's just um, like a, a salve that you rub on your child. I mean, if you're putting on cream to help make their little feet soft, you know, use sleep as a salve to make their entire bodies healthy healthy and strong. For, for mothers and fathers, we know 1000% that this is a key trigger for postpartum depression and anxiety. During COVID, the numbers went up dramatically for depression. I mean, before COVID, it was about 15% of new mothers who have clinical depression, which was an enormous number. That's kind of doubled. I mean, 25, 30% of new mothers and many new fathers develop clinical depression and anxiety because, I mean, COVID's been so tough on the families, obviously, for so many reasons. But this is problematic. And we, you know, one of the things I'm doing now is working hard to give people tips and and support to be able to get more sleep, to keep them on the right side of depression during those important first six months of life. That's just devastating to hear all these, you know, numbers doubling and, but it makes sense being in this line of work. I I totally get that, but I appreciate again, uh, the work that you guys are doing. And And, and so important, Nina, because once you get postpartum depression, you have a tendency for the rest of your life towards depression. It can strike years later. It can last for a year. It can affect, it can ruin your marriage. It's not just this trip, oh, I'm depressed, like boohoo, I cry for a little bit. No, it can lead to serious anxiety and interfere with child development, years of of antidepressant medication. It's a serious issue. We actually, one of the things I'm excited about is um, researchers at the University of Colorado um, just recently finished a study on almost 100 women with a prior history of depression. Um, with a prior pregnancy or in the, earlier in their lives, they gave them a snoo, which is this little robotic baby bit that, that you know, we, we developed. And then they watched them over the next six months, and there was almost a 50% reduction in the incidence of depression. Why? Because snoo does so many things. Number one, when the baby cries, it responds to the baby's crying and helps to calm the crying. It adds an hour or two to the baby's sleep at night. And like we're saying, if you get more sleep, you're going to be safer for yourself, for your health, and when you're driving and things like that. Number three, a snoo keeps the baby on the back. Mm -hmm. The FDA gave it this recognition as a breakthrough device, and we've shown that it reduces by 90% the chance of a baby rolling to an unsafe position. And so you're less anxious. Once you put the baby down, you secure them and snoo. You don't have to keep checking and checking that the baby rolled to an unsafe position. It gives you a 24-hour caregiver so that you feel like you've got a helper. You can sit down to dinner knowing that snoo is taking care of the baby for 30 minutes. And lastly, which is really kind of interesting, what do you think the first question is that someone asks you when you're in the hospital, you just had a baby? 
how's the baby doing? Yeah. And, <laughs> and is it a boy or a girl? Right, right. Right. But what about a month later when you've got the baby home, mm. what question does someone ask you about the baby? Is, is the sl- baby sleeping through the night? Yeah. How's the baby sleeping? <laughs> and, and it's almost kind of a trick question, right? Because yeah. you're kind of expecting to hear, oh no, this, I'm exhausted. And, you know, and what happens with Snoo is people go, my baby's sleeping great. And you feel smart. You feel like a good mom or dad because your baby is doing well. When your baby's not, not that you had anything to do with it. When your baby's not sleeping well, you feel like you're not a good parent or you're not doing your job. And if they're sleeping well, you feel smart and accomplished. So for all those reasons, we see snoo having a dramatic impact on family health, sleep health, the baby's health. And ultimately it sleep trains the baby automatically it keeps the baby safer. And then it's super easy. People worry, but then are they used to the rocking and shushing? You can't get them out of it. No, uh, quite the opposite. By six months, they are so trained and prepared to be out of snoo that usually it's a two or three day process without any crying at all to wean them into the into the crib. And um, so we're just super excited about this because people need help and they need help that just costs $5 a day, not not, you know, $20 a day. Yeah. Yeah. Like a night nanny where it's like $30 an hour or 35 or 50. It could be, it it could be very expensive. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I totally agree. You know, oftentimes as parents, we're, we're so concerned and consumed only with getting our baby to sleep. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can forget about, taking care of ourselves and getting the rest that we so desperately need. Mm-hmm. How can we change this mindset? Well, I mean, the, the trouble is that women have been taught, parents have been told a big lie. The big lie, the real big lie is that the normal family is, you know, a couple of parents and a child or two children. Mm-hmm. That is the most weird, bizarre impossible family that ever existed, that never existed. The only normal family is the extended family. You living with your parents and your cousins and your aunts and uncles right next door. And that's the way human beings always had it. Having a nanny today is like a, an, an incredible luxury. Oh, yes. But five 500 years ago, a thousand years ago, 10,000 years ago, everyone had five nannies. Your grandma, your aunt, your older sister, you didn't take care of your baby. Your 11-year-old daughter took care of your baby more than you did. And your 15-year-old next-door neighbor's older daughter who kept coming over saying, can I hold the baby? Can I hold the baby? That's what was done. And now parents think I should be superwoman or superman and I should do everything and look great on Instagram and take care of my three-year-old and be the best mother and homeschool and and put on a great dinner and do all of these things and get back to my job. And it's impossible. And so that's the biggest lie. And that's why people are exhausted and feel like failures because they just are running as fast as they can. And they can't quite keep up with everything they need to do. What parents should be doing is patting themselves on the back because they're doing an incredible job in really challenging circumstances. And if you can get help, ask for help. Don't be shy about it. Don't feel bad because, you know, two, three years from now, you'll pay everybody back. You'll say, thank you so much for helping me. I'm going to help you once I get some 
spare time. And thank you so much for making my life so much better when I have my little baby here. And they should be making sure or telling their employer that they need some paid time off because that's what every civilized culture would do. And they should ask their employer for a free snoo because the employer is going to be smart when they do that because that's going to make you loyal, keep you in the job, and they don't have to retrain somebody. And then you're going to be a healthier employee and, and, and more well-rested, better able to do your job. We have tools now to help families be much more successful. And so the job that, that I'm trying to, my wife and I are trying to do, and, and my daughter too, she works for a company as well, it's a little family operation, is to really try to get this tool out to as many people as possible and save as many families and save as many lives as possible. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious, Dr. Karp, what, what advice would you give to a new mother who just cannot find the time to get the sleep that she needs? Well, I mean, there are some things you can do to help your baby sleep more, and that's going to help you get sleep you need. Obviously, snoo we're talking about, but if you don't have snoo, there are things like swaddling the baby, at least for the first couple of months. Once they start rolling over, you really don't want to keep swaddling them because you don't want them swaddled on the stomach. Um, using white noise is a valuable tool. A lot of people use white noise for years and years. A lot of adults use white noise as well. Mm -hmm. But it's important that there be a rumbly low pitch sound, not a high pitch. That's kind of too irritating for a lot of people's ears. So you got to pick the right sound and make sure you're, you're organizing your time right. You have to be efficient with your time. You can't be wasting time on social media. I mean, as much as, I mean, 10 minutes of social media, it's fine. But if you find yourself getting hooked in and suddenly you've spent 30 minutes on social media, you don't have time to do that when you have a little kid. You've really got to be organized. Try to get out some exercise, get outside, get some daylight because sunlight helps to organize the brain as well. And exercise is one of the best things we can do to, to feel better, to be healthier, and to fight depression. So those are, those are a bunch of things. And I have to say, sometimes it's not the baby that's the hard part. It's your 15-month-old, you know, or your three-year-old or four-year-old who's running your ragged. The baby's easy, and your, your toddler is screaming and really challenging you. And Actually, I don't even know if you, do you know about the happiest toddler on the block? Yes, yes, absolutely. Fantastic. What I find is when you're having a baby, people go, I'm going to buy 10 books about babies and I'm going to be the best baby parent that anyone ever knew. And you buy a book about pureeing vegetables and a book about pureeing fruits and a book about babies. And, and then not that you read the books, mind you, but you got it on the bookshelf and then because even if you read the book, most people don't even remember what they've read. And then they're in the fog of having a baby. But what's interesting is many people never read another book for the rest of their kid's life. Because mm -hmm. they're so busy, they're just winging it. But what I my joke with people is spend five hours less watching Game of Thrones <laughs> and five hours reading a good book about toddlers. Because I guarantee you that you know, experienced pediatricians or preschool teachers or, or folks like yourself have a lot to teach about wrangling these little, these little um, uncivilized beings that we're living with. And those techniques are often counterintuitive. You would think you're doing it the right way when actually you're doing it a way that's undermining of your child's emotional development and cooperation. 
And so it's really, really important for people to, to reach out to, to get a good book like Happiest Toddler. And there are others. That's not the only one that can help, you know, guide you and help you be a better parent. Absolutely. Yes. I think that having those resources and just feeling a lot more knowledgeable because yes, I mean, the babies, it is, it is helpful to read some things to know what's normal and not normal, but those toddlers, they challenge you. (laughs) So they talk back. (laughs) Um, So to be able to have that knowledge is also extremely helpful. And uh, Dr. Karp, going back to, you know, the postpartum mood disorders, speaking of uh, postpartum depression and anxiety, you know, what should a mother do if she identifies with some of the symptoms of Mm. depression and anxiety? Yeah, that's such a great question, because like we're saying, it's not rare. Everyone should be attentive to it because it's so it's really can strike anyone. Well, a couple of things. Number one, when you hear the word depression, I mean, you said mood disorder, which is really the right way to talk about it, mm-hmm. because most of the time we think of postpartum depression and that makes you think of boohoo crying, you know, sadness, which it can be. Mm-hmm. But more often, it's actually anxiety. It's like you're just fearful all the time, fearful you're going to drop the baby, fearful you're going to, you know, um, forget something, fearful that you're not going to wake up when your baby needs you, fearful that you're not a good mother and that you feel like you you want to run away because what was I thinking that I could do this? Everyone else can do it, but I'm no good. Those thoughts can really gnaw at you and undermine you. And then you can have intrusive thoughts like I have to leave. Or, I mean, people have intrusive thoughts to hurt themselves or even to hurt the baby um, running into traffic. I mean, it's just terrible, terrible things can happen. And you're not crazy when it happens. You feel like you're crazy. This is a temporary disorder. This is triggered by the incredible responsibility and usually by the lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. And so the important thing to know is if you're getting this sense that you're under mental strain irritability, compulsive behaviors, turning the light switch on and on, checking your baby eight times before you can put your head on the pillow. You need to reach out for help to your doctor, to your spouse, to your family, to your clergy, to whomever could be there. Even there are 800 numbers that you can call to get some support. You need to reach out for help because this is totally treatable. It will totally get better. Is just the rough patch that you're going through. And so um, so that I think is important. If you're sensing that you have a challenge, reach out, don't be silent. What's so great is you see so many celebrities talking about it and mothers and, and fathers, and it can, this can happen to guys too. So people are much more open to talking about it than they used to be. And that's really healthy and, and, and a good step, a good change in our culture. Absolutely. Breaking that stigma of this. And I so appreciate you saying the reaching out for support. And that's a huge reason why we talk about a lot of times, you know, when you're pregnant, a lot uh, women are focused on their birth plan and their, and their birth. And while that is extremely important, what's also very important is your postpartum experience and coming up with a postpartum plan and figuring out, okay, if I need to prioritize sleep, Dr. Harvey Karp is telling me all these reasons why sleep is so important. So I need to plan for that and think of, okay, who can help me with dinner? Who can help me with my toddler? Who can help me with the laundry? And planning all of that in advance so that you can take care of yourself in the most basic of needs, such as sleep. So I appreciate you saying reach 
reaching out for that help, but even taking it a step further and doing your due diligence before it's even needed. So then you're not exhausted at your ends rope at the rope's end and saying, Oh, I need help now, but asking for it in advance and finding that's those so smart. Yeah. Have now. people cook a casserole for you, stick it in yes. your freezer and you know, yes. can you come over? Don't just clean the house a little bit when you come over and then I'll see you later. And you don't have yes. to be what my mother would call stupid polite. You know, you don't have to entertain them. You know, they come over, they help you. Thanks so much. See you later. Cause this is not your time to take care of other people. You have to take care of your family. That's so, Absolutely. so true. I would say though, that one of the, one of the things I would al- always tell my patients is it's good to have those plans, but your bumper sticker should say, be flexible or die right. because you know, you can have it all planned out like breastfeeding. It doesn't always work out and you want to educate yourself ahead of time, line up a consultant. If you're going to need any help or speak to your doctor or your nurse practitioner about who would be your best helper. And then if it goes great and it, it will go great, fantastic. And if you hit bumps in the road, reach out for help. One of the things, this is just a little pearl that people don't talk about, but it's really important to pay attention to, which is if you want to breastfeed before you have the baby, check in with your doctor to make sure that your nipples are not flat or inverted. Because once your breasts fill with milk, if you have a flat nipple, meaning that when you stimulate it, it erects less less than like a third or a half an inch. Once your breast fills with milk, your nipple is going to flatten more. And if it's inverted or flat to begin with, the baby has a hard time latching on. That can become a real serious issue. But you can take care of it before you have the baby with using these little um, breast cups that help the baby to protrude and the nipple to protrude and extend. So it's important to pay attention to that beforehand. And I want to say, I mean, one of the things about SNU that we were surprised about, but it's really important for parents to understand this. In the first month of life, SNU will give you, it makes baby sleep an extra half hour here and there. So instead of waking up in three hours, maybe it'll be three and a half, maybe four hours if you're lucky. But by two months of age, a normal two-month-old would give you maybe a five-hour stretch of sleep. In SNU, a normal two-month-old will give you an almost seven-hour stretch of sleep. That's incredible. Wow. I mean, that extra two hours makes all the difference between being able to, you know, get everything done or feeling like you're on the wrong side of the ragged edge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I saw a, a, a reel recently and it's like, a regular person with four hours of sleep. Yay. A, a new <laughs> mom who gets a four hour stretch of sleep. Woohoo! <laughs> so, I mean, just even those extra hours, they really make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, so that is, that's really cool to, to learn about. And Dr. Karp, what, what, you know, with you're saying postpartum mood disorders on the rise, how do you think parents can be better supported at home and at work and beyond? Certainly exactly what you were saying before about reach out for help mm-hmm. and be very specific. You know, what do you need? You know, mm-hmm. bring me this food. Come and wash my dishes that are piled up. Don't be shy about that because you really see who your friends are and who your family are. And again, you can say, listen, I need it now. I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to be there for you. I just really need your help right now. And it makes people stronger when they feel like I, I people love to give. You know what I mean? The people who really are the good people in your life will love to give, and then you'll love to give back to them. So that's one important thing. And for your employer is to literally let them know that you need leave. You deserve that. You need a time to be with your family. 
you're going to you're raising the next taxpayer. <laughs> you're raising the next, you know, employee, the next, uh, you know, manager. It, it's important for all of us to recognize that parents are supporting our whole culture. Our civilization is on the backs of young parents who are raising children who are going to be paying our Social Security next. And so it's important to be grateful to, to parents for doing that and to give them that support. And that's one of the reasons why I said dozens and dozens and dozens of employers are giving parents a, a free snoo for six months because that's like giving a care. I'm going to give you a 24 hour babysitter for the first six months. And that is an incredible way to support employees. And it's cost effective for the employer as well. Amazing. Those are such helpful tips. And I, I think that all of our listeners can absolutely understand and will be, I think, hopefully moving forward with, okay, I, it's okay for me to speak up for what I need and what I want. And and I am raising our future, so yes. why not speak up? This is this is my time. Yeah. And and I'm curious, Dr. Carp, what what one piece of advice would you give to a tired mom? Give yourself grace. Mm. This is a very hard job. We train our special forces, our Navy SEALs, our Army Rangers. We train them to endure torture by putting them through extended sleep deprivation with the sound of crying babies over loudspeakers. So give yourself grace. This is a challenging time. It's not going to last forever. The other thing I would say, kind of getting back to the toddler stuff, is that unless you've taken care of a lot of toddlers, and by toddlers I mean any child from eight months of age to about 73 years of age, because we all become toddlers when we get upset enough, the happiest toddler tips and techniques in that little video and book are very easy, but they are not intuitive. Mm -hmm. And and you'll be surprised at the ways that really work to eliminate 50% of temper tantrums and get children to be more patient and cooperative and ultimately to build their sense of self-worth mm -hmm. and trust, which is the gift that you really want to give your child. So don't think that you're supposed to know it all. You can reach out for help and you have to reach out for help because mm -hmm. this is your job and responsibility to do the best work you can when your child is, is little. Yes, absolutely. Ah, such good pieces of wisdom right here. Yeah. And now I, I just, do you have any just final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners? Yeah, I guess, um, we, we're, we're preparing the world for our children. Like the saying goes, we didn't inherit the world from our grandparents. Mm. We borrowed the world from our grandchildren. And so there are a lot of problems out there. And while you are out there raising your family, and that's a full-time, more than a full-time job when they're little, once you get some spare time, you need to pay attention to the world around you, whether it's global warming and the disaster that is happening right now on our watch that is going to terribly affect our children. Our crops are going to dry up. Our cities are going to get flooded. This is not an if. This is happening already. Miami is getting flooded with every you know big tide that's coming in. Um, New York City had Superstorm Sandy. The glaciers are melting. The seas are rising. The fish are depleting. I mean, 
this is not an if. This is something that's happening. We have to take care of our families, but we have to put our heads out of the foxhole and see what's going on around us. One great group, I'm on the board of directors. My wife and I are a group called EWG, Environmental Working Group, which gives you all sorts of information about how to raise your family healthy and safe. But also we're doing lots of advocacy work in Washington and around the country to help fight global warming and things like that. If you can't do it yourself, give 10 bucks to a good organization and hire them, so to speak. Let them be your lawyer and your mouthpiece in Washington, your lobbyist, so that you can go to bed at night and feel like, okay, I I did something to help make the world a better place. Because it's about your family and you got to do your best for your family. But you got to think of 10 and 20 years from now, not just, you know, the nose in front of your face. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. And and now we want to know also a bit more about you. Do you have anything new and exciting going on that we need to know about, Dr. Karp? Well, we're all about trying to help. I mean, one of our big goals as we started talking about infant sleep death, uh, 3,500 kids a year dying. So my big goal and what I, my wife and my daughter and I set ourselves up for is we want to end that. We want to make that zero deaths. And we're doing it. We're on the on the track to do that. Same thing for postpartum depression. We want to reduce that by 50%. And we want to help every single family in the United States, outside the United States, be supported to be able to do this challenging job much better of raising their children. So to be honest with you, we're just consumed by that work. And, and we're working seven days a week to, to make that happen. Well, you're making a big difference and we're so appreciative of your work. This is awesome. So, and Dr. Karp, where can our listeners find you? Well, you know something, there's tons of information on happiestbaby.com. We tried to get (laughs) happiestbaby.com. That didn't work out. So happiestbaby.com, lots and lots of free information about babies and toddlers and pregnancy um, and great, you know, great white noise and great snooze and Again, we're, we don't even want anyone to buy us new. We, we think people should just rent them for, for, you know, get that help for those first several months that you need. But um, yeah, please come and visit and, and share your ideas with us. Oh, absolutely. We will. This was just fascinating, Dr. Karp. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge and research with us. It, it just means so much to me and our listeners. You're so kind. Thank you so much, Nina. Of course. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Dr. Karp, you can visit him on the web at happiestbaby.com or on Instagram at happiest underscore baby. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to more sleep for mamas and their babies.